Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John Jenkins, sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the post of UGA athletics, straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by Red and Black assistant sports editor Owen Warden and digital sports editor Bo Underwood. Up first, we'll talk to Bo to preview the rest of Georgia's regular season. Welcome back to the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, John. So, the big question over these next few weeks is going to be, what does Georgia's offense look like without Brock Bowers, the All-American tight end, the All-World tight end, who has really carried their offense at some points this season? Without him in the lineup for maybe the rest of the regular season, who needs to step up on that offense? Yeah, I mean, the easy one is Oscar Delp, just because he's pretty likely to take over as their number one tight end with Bowers out. But I don't really expect a lot of statistical production from him. Like I don't. I think Delp is a really talented player, but he's just not the unicorn game changer, other buzzword that Brock Bowers is. I think this is Dominic Lovett's time to like really emerge. He's flashed a lot of talent as a guy who can make plays over the middle out of the slot. And with Bowers not out there anymore, they do need a new guy to come in and fill that role sort of over the middle in the intermediate pass game. So I think we could easily see him sort of step up as like that security blanket for Carson Beck over the middle of the field and just as a slot guy in general. I also think Ra Ra Thomas could start to feature more and more heavily in this offense. When you have an X that's as athletic as he is, who can just consistently win one-on-one matchups, like he's already done this season, it just opens up so much else for every other part of the field. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed just watching Georgia's passing offense this season is that it's really Marcus Ozemi, Jack Saint, and Brock Bowers, and then everyone else is kind of working on a by-committee yeah, approach. kind of platooning. Like, Ra Thomas has big flash plays. Dominic Lovett has all those catches, but he doesn't really have the yardage mm-hmm. to back that up. So I think they need a second receiver just to step up and allow Carson Beck another guy to look at when Marcus Ozemi, Jack Saint might be covered. And I don't know who that's going to be. I think Ra Ra could be that. I think Dominic could be that. I think Ladd coming back yeah. from injury could also be that. We could definitely see his role start to increase. But speaking of those guys coming back from injury, George is a little banged up going into the bye week. For the rest of the season, coming out of the bye week, what guy kind of returning from injury, kind of getting back to full health, could really play a big role in this roster? I think the biggest one is going to be Amarius Mims. Um, I know he's back practicing. I don't know what his timetable is or when he's supposed to be back out there on the field, but I do assume we'll see him back at some point before the regular season's over. He'd be so big to have back on that offensive line, um, manning that right tackle spot. Um, We've seen the run blocking be sort of shaky this season. We've even seen, I mean, the pass blocking has been solid, but, you know, you've always, an upgrade at right tackle is always welcome. Um, he would just provide some stability and consistency that they haven't really had on their offensive line lately. And I think, you know, them not having to move around the guys on the line so much would, would really help, really help them settle in. Yeah, uh, I also picked a guy on the offense for this, and it's another guy who got injured in that South Carolina game. I think Roger Robinson or mm. maybe even Kendall Milton got, getting back to full health could really help that running back room just because, like, you don't want to be solely leaning on Dejon Edwards. No. He's really a change of pace back. That is, it, he pops when you can use him in unexpected ways, and he catches the defense off guard. But to catch the defense off guard, you need somebody yeah. who's just going to run between the tackles, who's going to pound the rock, 
and I think Kendall can be that. I think Roger can be that. And I so I think either of those two guys could really help this offense take another step, especially if they might want to lean on the running game without Brock Bowers. But yeah. uh, looking at that rest of the schedule, leaning on the running game maybe in these tougher matchups that that are coming up, we got Missouri coming up. That's a ranked opponent. We got. Uh, Ole Miss coming up, that's a ranked opponent. we got Tennessee coming up, that's another ranked opponent. What is your concern level coming up about Georgia's defense coming into these high-powered offenses against SEC opponents? The defense specifically, I'm definitely much less concerned about than I am about the offense. I think Georgia has the best secondary in the country, just from a talent level and from a coaching standpoint. Like, and I think you'll get to see that down the stretch when they take on some of these high-power offenses like you mentioned, um, especially Ole Miss and Tennessee, who, you know, Ole Miss loves to run the ball all over the field. Tennessee loves to just spread out and throw it. Georgia's linebackers look like they've taken a step forward since that Auburn game where they looked pretty bad and allowed a lot of rushing yard. But I do expect them to sort of continue to trend in the right direction. But Ole Miss and that running game and what they do with Quinshawn Judkins is going to give them a run for their money. I'm really not doubting that. We're going to see what this defense is made of in these last few games, especially on the front seven. And, you know, they might give up a few points. They might give up more yards than I think a lot of their, a lot of the fans are going to want them to. But I am pretty confident that this defense can line up with just about anybody on Georgia's schedule. So you mentioned Tennessee trying to spread you out. You mentioned Ole Miss trying to run wild on you. You kind of undersold Missouri a little bit. I did. Missouri is a really good team. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's They're used to being undersold. It's fine. Uh, but speaking of all of those big games coming up, coming up, what game on that schedule do you think Georgia fans should be the most concerned about going into? Yeah, it, it is. It's easy to say Missouri because that was, you know, Georgia's biggest close call from last year. And Missouri this year is looks way better than they did last year. And they probably have the best receiver in the country. Shout out to Luther Burden. Um, but I still have to say Tennessee. Personally, I think Ole Miss is probably a better team than Tennessee. And we could argue about Missouri versus Tennessee all day. I don't really have a clear. I don't really have an opinion on that. I think they're both really good at different things. But I digress. Going to Neyland and playing there is just a whole different environment. It's like 100,000 people who all hate your guts, and it's really hard to win there. I expect that to be a hard-fought game for this team. I think it'll be their toughest game of the regular season, and you know probably the most important game they'll play the rest of the way since it's their last real hostile environment, not to take a shot at Tech, but you know no one's really afraid of playing there. This Tennessee game is going to tell you a lot about, I think, the DNA of this team. And I think that Tennessee team is going to be looking for a little bit of payback, a little oh, bit yeah. of revenge after last Absolutely. year. Absolutely, they they really wanted that Georgia game, and Georgia just <laughs> completely stifled them. So I, I think they might want to get get a little bit of get a little bit of their own yeah. stifling in their own stadium. But the issue I think with Tennessee this year is that their offense just has been a little inconsistent at times. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And for Georgia's offense, it's also been inconsistent at times. I think that's it's going to be a real measuring mark of where these teams are at. Like we mentioned, we don't really know where Tennessee measures up with Missouri, mm -hmm. with Ole Miss. So Georgia will will need to bring their best against this Tennessee team on the road. But yeah. speaking of these rest of the schedule, Bo, my final question to you: What is your record prediction for Georgia's final five games of the regular season? I don't know how bold it is to say five and zero, but I I do think I think they're gonna go five and zero. I think Georgia can win, can run the table, win out, whatever 
verb adage you want to use. For all its faults and all of its injuries, this is a really well-coached team, and they play really hard, and they have elite talent, and they have championship experience. Th- there's not much else outside of those things that you could really ask for in a college football team. This Georgia team has been dealing with, you know, a, a smidge of disrespect lately and all season you know I think this is probably one of the least uh heralded like consensus number one teams we've ever seen like I think every week out it's tough to judge here because we're in Athens but the feeling that I get every week is every week the AP rankings come out and Georgia's number one and everyone just sort of rolls their eyes as if Georgia has not earned that this year and I think I think this is a team that's ready to show people sort of why they've been number one all year and you know the the meat and potatoes of their schedule is coming up in these next five games, and I don't think they're gonna they win all these games in dominating fashion like they did last year or anything. But I do think they're better than anyone on their schedule, and I think they're good enough to win all these games if health permits, of course. Yeah, I the thing about this Georgia team is at the peak of their powers, they are the best team in college football. Absolutely, they just haven't played at the peak of their powers every game this season. And that's going to need to change if you want to win against three straight SEC-ranked opponents. Um, mm-hmm. I think they will run the table against these SEC- ranked SEC opponents. But just from a college football fan's perspective, I think the most interesting outcome is Georgia going 4-1. and one, Oh, yeah. Losing to one of those <laughs> SEC East teams and then missing the SEC championship. Because what happens if an 11-1 and one Georgia yeah. team is... It's not in the champion, yeah. And then you have to wonder. It would be like that, uh, like a few years ago when Alabama lost to Auburn, and then Auburn went to the SEC championship, but then Bama still made the playoff. It'd be just like that, man. Look, I don't even want to think about the the discourse if something like that were to happen. It would be it'd be tiresome, man. (laughs) All right, Bo, I won't make you think about the discourse anymore. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, John. Looking at this rivalry in the past few years under Kirby, George has been 4-1 and one over the last five meetings. Why should we care about this game? Well, I think this game's interesting for the fact that Florida has had impressive victories this year, specifically that win over Tennessee, where, again, it was at home, it was in the swamp, but it's absolutely a team that you can't just fully overlook because they've got wins. They've got abilities to win football games, as we've seen through this year already. And I think we can't um, ignore that. You know, that's absolutely something that you can't just ignore because they have the ability to beat good teams in an environment where they're set up to win. Um, They've also got a really talented team. You know, Ricky Pearsall at wide receiver is a very talented player, as well as just the cavalcade of guys they rotate in at that position. They've got a really good two-headed duo at running back led by a uh, at least a familiar last name if you've been following uh, college football for a little while Trevor Etienne brother of Travis Etienne who went to Clemson but also uh, you got junior transfer uh, at least he transferred last year Montreal Johnson Jr. right both of those guys are pretty talented running backs in their own right and have really built up this Florida offense to what it is um, let alone just a talented defense uh, Jalen Kimber on the other side as well as uh, Jason Marshall Jr. A couple uh, high-profile players. Other just interesting pieces. I know Shamar James has been really good for them. I know he's young, but he's been a talented linebacker for them. So 
This Florida team has talent. I think from that point in perspective, this game's important. But from the just pure Georgia-Florida rivalry standpoint, this game's important because it always matters. These two teams don't like each other. It's going to show on Saturday. And I think that more so even than just how actually pretty solid this Florida team is, that is also why Georgia fans should care about this game, if they're not already. I'm surprised it took you so long to get to that angle. (laughs) Georgia-Florida is the game. If you're a Georgia fan and you don't care about beating Florida every year, or can you really call yourself a Georgia fan and vice versa? If you're a Florida fan and you aren't absolutely furious when they drop this game, what, what are you really doing as a college football fan? But speaking of that kind of tradition, that history in this game, the whole Jacksonville neutral field element that has been debated for the last two years, what do you think a neutral field adds to this game? I mean... The fact that, like, Georgia can't pull a van- uh, what they did at Vanderbilt and pack out the stands and stuff like that just because we know how well Georgia tra- travels and stuff like that. But I also think that, truthfully, it eliminates an advantage that either team would have. The Swamp is a tough place to play in. We saw Tennessee get affected by playing in that in that area and, and playing in that in that stadium. It's a great stadium. It's one of the best in college football for a reason. But Sanford has also become one of the best in college football for a reason. Kirby Smart has really gotten the fan attention and and fan interaction at an all-time high. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason why Tennessee was so affected last year. Why South Carolina had a little bit of trouble this year with some false starts. Why Arkansas, two years ago, had a lot of trouble and and had a, a ton of struggles as they weren't able to put any points on the board. You know, there's a reason both of these stadiums you know, have teams fearful and have teams having to prepare for these crowd noises. And removing that, I feel like, takes a little bit out of this game. I know Kirby Smart's complained about not having the recruiting aspect for him, and I get that. But I think from the pure fan interaction and from talking to players, I talked to, I I mentioned Jason Marshall earlier, but I talked to a couple other of those Florida players and asked them what they thought of possibly having this game in the swamp and they loved that idea they loved being able to play in their home stadium but they also loved going to Athens and facing the Georgia crowd and the Georgia players feel the exact same way and I think the fans would love it so I think if anything it just kind of lessens the impact that this game could have because Georgia and Florida fans do not like each other even more so than the players don't like each other I think losing out on that and not having that and especially for the next few years is disappointing in my opinion yeah, I definitely feel like it takes something away from the game from at least like a a college football environment perspective, but at least there is like the element of on the field, you know that it's their best against your best and there's no outside interference impacting this. So like I understand some of the argument for keeping it in Jacksonville. I just don't agree with it. I don't either, and I think that college football is purely built on these home and homes and we see You know, Georgia have the impact it did against Tennessee, and now we're going to see what the impact of Georgia traveling to Tennessee is going to have. That's what makes this game so these games so interesting is there's that wrinkle there, and that wrinkle isn't here, and it should be because of how good of a rivalry this is. Um, I buried the lead a little bit when when I was first talking about why you should care about this game, and you should because it's such a big rivalry, and to lose out on that impact of having it in each of their stadiums, I think is a tragedy, and I hope is something that, you know, will be long graduated by the by the time this is even really po- like possible, John, and who knows what we'll be doing at the time, but I do hope it's resolved for fans' sakes, for the players' sakes, for just overall college football's sake, because they deserve to have this as a home-and-home. Home. So speaking of wrinkles that could impact the game, Florida has a 
new quarterback for Georgia fans this season. What do Georgia fans need to know about Graham Mertz, Florida starting QB, heading into this matchup? Yeah, Graham Mertz has been around college football for a while. I believe he's in his fifth year, the redshirt senior from Wisconsin. So he's been in the Big Ten for a while, and I'm going to be honest, he has not been good. He hasn't been a very talented player. He was a highly regarded prospect going into Wisconsin, but never really found that potential. And ultimately, it was just kind of on a sinking ship that he kind of caused. Now, I can say that he's had a better year with Florida than maybe he's had with Wisconsin, but I still wouldn't say he's necessarily a really talented quarterback. Yes, he has thrown over 1,800 uh, passing yards this season. He has thrown 12 touchdowns. He's only thrown two picks, right? From a numbers perspective, it's not bad. But the, the eye test, the from the film perspective, from just watching the guy play, it's not great. I, I don't love what he does. I don't think he sees the field very well. I don't think he throws very well. And this is absolutely a team that definitely relies on their running backs and relies on that punch to definitely help him out. And I think that's definitely going to be what they probably try and lean on for this game. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I don't view him very highly. Um, if anything, I think the best I would compare him to is a guy like Devin Leary, who Georgia's faced earlier this year. While not having the same accolades that Devin Leary has, they play very similar. They have very similar play styles. And probably a boon for, for Georgia, he's not a running quarterback. Minus 59 rushing yards so far this season, meaning that he's gotten sacked a good amount of times. But also, he's not getting out of the pocket and alleviating some of those sack yards and, and getting in the positive sense. So Georgia does not have to worry about that. That's clearly been something that's affected them a lot this year. He's not that. He's not a great thrower of the football. This will absolutely be Florida trying to give it to the running backs and trying to get that working. And they may try and get it to guys like Ricky Pearsall and the, and the other various guys. But as far as Graham Mertz goes, I'm not very high on him. But what do you think, John? I pretty much agree with all of your sentiments. I don't feel great about Florida as a team as a whole. I feel like if you put Drake May on Florida, they would be still a fringe top 25 team. Uh, so I, that's, that's just my personal opinions. If you're, ex I, But you said you were expecting a run-heavy approach from the Gators on this one. I want to look at the other side of the ball. Florida has the third best pass defense in the SEC, but they've been destroyed on the ground a couple of times throughout the season so far. What kind of approach are you expecting from Georgia's offense attacking that defense in this game? Well, I mean, being that Brock Bowers is out, it's pretty easy to think that, yeah, they're probably not going to go to the passing game all too much. And not saying they won't. You know, Lad McConkey, as we've seen through weeks and weeks, has been getting healthier and stronger, clearly, by, by the fact of his target shares and his just rising and going up. But I do expect the Georgia to be hitting the ground game hard. As you talked with Bo, Roderick Robinson is back. Kendall Milton had a full week of practice last week and this week coming off of having to miss out in that second half of the game against Vanderbilt. Um, and then Dejon working well, playing well. Um, it's very clear that Florida's front group is not as strong as it was last year. Um, although even then, that's not saying much, but it's just not a strong group. And we've seen Dejon take over games, kind of like how Brock Bowers has when passing defenses are weak. I would expect a similar approach, but I also wouldn't be surprised if guys like Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, uh, Lad McConkey, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, even Oscar Delp, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys manage to find their ways down the field, especially if Georgia's rushing attack is working. But I would expect Dejon to have another big time game. If not, maybe some of the other guys get healthy once again. So you're expecting a run heavy game from both sides. Florida and Georgia pound in the rock. 
with that in mind, Owen, give me your prediction for the Georgia-Florida matchup. Give me an offensive MVP for Georgia, and give me a defensive MVP for Georgia. Yeah, I think I got to go Georgia winning this one. Um, I think I've got them. I, I think I'm going to have them winning probably 32-17. to 17. I think that's that's probably what I'm going to go with, simply for the fact that I think Georgia's just the more talented team. Um, I think this is easily a scenario kind of like the Kentucky one where we're a little unsure. You know, we'll see what Georgia can do. Offense is a little bit of question being that their best piece is out uh, for at least the next four-ish weeks. So, you know, we're not sure exactly what to expect, but I could easily see Georgia coming out and blowing the tires off of Florida, just hitting them in their weak spots and Florida being unable to respond on their offense. But I think I'll go a little bit safer with that 32-17 to pick. Off of it, offensive MVP, I'm going to go with who I was talking about earlier, Dejon Edwards. I think he's going to be key for this game. I think he's going to be an absolute biggest piece for this game. Again, we haven't seen anybody else on this team other than him and Brock Bowers really take over games, and I feel like I'd be it'd be a shame to expect anything different. Um, so until I see something else, until I see Ladd or 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 Ra Ra Thomas just absolutely ball out in the last you know 12 minutes of a football game, I got to give it to Dejon and uh, defensive MVP. I'll go a little bit secure here. I think I'm going to go with uh, Tyke Smith here. Um, for a team that is going to have to run the ball a lot and, and figure things out, obviously you'd look to the linebackers, but I think they are going to try and go to the air. I think they are going to try and go to guys like Ricky Pearsall. They're going to try and get things out of the slot. And I think Tyke is going to be important in both stopping the run as well as stopping the pass when Florida is forced to go to that. So I think for his ability to be impactful in both facets of the, of the defense, I think I'm going to go with Tyke Smith as my prediction to do pretty well here. Yeah, I'm right in line with your score prediction. I think Georgia takes this one 34 to 20. And on offense, I, I, I'm going I'm going a little bit of a hot take. And it might not even be a hot take, but I think Carson Beck is going to put his stamp on this Georgia football team and this Georgia-Florida rivalry with a big game in Jacksonville. I think he's, we talked about this off the show, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC this season, and I think a lot of people have been saying that he's used Brock Bowers as a little bit of a crutch, and I think without that crutch, we're going to really see what Carson Beck can do, and I think he's going to do really well against this Florida defense. On the other side of the ball, though, I think we've, 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 down, we've downplayed a little bit of how well the linebackers have done this season, and I think against a run-heavy forward attack, I think Smile Munden and... Maybe not Jama and Dumas Johnson to the same degree, but I think that linebacker core is going to have to have a big performance to keep Florida one-dimensional and to keep Graham Mertz throwing the ball to Tyke Smith, to Dalen Everett, to Kamara Lasseter, and I think that's how this game is going to play out. Yeah, I completely agree. I could even see guys like Jalen Walker, who's been getting a lot of extended time, even at inside linebacker now, having a step-up performance. You know, Xavier Sori having an interesting performance in this one. Uh, and I definitely consider the linebackers because I'm expecting a run-heavy attack. I think that's going to be interesting. But it is interesting. Do you, th you think Georgia's going to go pass-heavy this one? I think they're going to go pa pass-heavy to start. Or I think they're going to go run-heavy. But I think that is going to open the game up so much for Carson Beck to take advantage of that Florida pass defense. And I think it's going to be a 24-point half where Florida is maybe two or three scores behind and then they can pound the rock away in the second half. That makes sense, and I think something we didn't talk enough about in this podcast is the fact that this, it's not a home game for either teams, but you know who it is a home game for? The Jacksonville native Carson Beck. He's back home. He's back in his hometown. Uh, I know there's also a couple Jacksonville natives playing for Florida as well, so they have their home game, but Carson Beck's home. He's back home playing in a, in a familiar environment, so 
You know, you know, it, it, if there's any time for him to really have an offensive MVP type performance, kind of like he did in Kentucky, it would make sense it, it, back home. And as we await Carson Beck's potentially triumphant return to Jacksonville, thank you very much for coming on the show, Owen. Oh, it's always a pleasure, John. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John Jane. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. Or even more Georgia